What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, YouTube fam? Welcome to our second DraftKings DFS lab of week 14. Once again, I am your host. I am your guest today. I am JM to win. As always, throw this video or podcast on 1.5x speed or 2x speed. Catch this a little bit more quickly. Flying solo again today, as I mentioned on the Thursday show. Uh, Keegan's not able to make it this week. Family stuff, holiday stuff. So uh, I believe he'll be back next week. But solo show gives us a chance to maybe not have the same questions back and forth, but an opportunity to kind of dive into some of the nuances of the slate. So it should be a cool show. With that, let's get started. One week season. All right. So if you found this show through the YouTube algorithm, usually what we do on this show is we build a lineup together, Keegan and me. The concept of the show is I've been playing DFS for 10 years, used to run the premium content um, membership at Roto Grinders, launched one week season in 2018 and run OWS. Uh, Keegan has been playing DFS a little bit more casually for the last two, three years, striving to get better. And he kind of is able to be a proxy for the audience, ask the types of questions that you guys might be asking, uh, explore the slate in the way you guys might be exploring it and kind of learn some new things about these teams, these players, these coaches, and the strategies of how we put together a roster toward a first place finish. Uh, when we fly solo, things are a little bit different. Uh, we will, same as always, build a roster, but uh, kind of gives me a chance, like I said at the top, to maybe not have the same questions, the same back and forth, but there are... Uh, some different components that we can touch on in these types of shows. So uh, I get about 30 minutes till I got my, I have a Friday show on Roto Grinders with Squirrel Patrol, one of the sharpest DFS players in existence. Uh, so I will have about 30 minutes to put this together and then I will be uh, hopping on over there. So really quickly before we get started, if you're watching this, so I record this on Friday, it goes on to YouTube and the OWS podcast feed on Friday night or Saturday morning. Uh, which means that by the time you're watching or listening to this, the Angles podcast is already out. This week, if you don't typically listen to the Angles podcast, I would strongly recommend listening to it this week. Very unique slate with some interesting strategy components this week. And that's really what we use the Angles podcast for is to dive down into the second, third, fourth layers of the strategies and what the what we always say is what the picture on the puzzle box looks like for this week. So what are the clearest pathways to a first place finish? On this particular week, very unique week. So I believe that the Angles podcast will be uniquely valuable on this particular week. It's always a good listen, but uh, this is a week where it's pretty valuable to have those deeper thoughts in terms of the strategy. We'll actually touch on a little bit of that in today's show, though. The Thursday show built a roster around Justin Fields, which is uh, one of my favorite ways to build this week. Justin Fields, DJ Moore. Um, but today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a game that not a lot of people are going to be on, or at least not a lot of people are going to be on this side of this game. And that is, if we kind of look through this and we say, what are the games that could end up shooting out? We have Detroit and Chicago, uh, a lot of interesting numbers there that I'll dig into in the player grid, which is uh, my player pool broken down for subscribers on OWS. Uh, and then also I'll talk about some of these components in the Angles podcast of why this Detroit-Chicago game is very interesting, talk about some of the components of why Indianapolis, Cincinnati is very interesting, but we also have these games like obviously Baltimore can put up a lot of points and maybe the Rams find a way to put up points against the Baltimore defense, but that's probably not turning into a shootout. Uh, Tampa, Atlanta is kind of drawing a lot of attention, but probably not turning into a shootout. Some interesting angles that we'll talk about in the angles podcast 
from that game as well. Uh, Jacksonville with C.J. Beathard expected to be under center. This Cleveland defense, uh, Joe Flacco under center, probably not turning into a shootout. Carolina and New Orleans probably not turning into a shootout. Houston and the Jets probably not turning into a shootout. Uh, Minnesota and Las Vegas, Las Vegas playing these kind of lower scoring games. And uh, Houston, you know, playing with Josh Dobbs to where they'll probably see this pathway to chess matching their way to a win, right? Where you say, all right, let's wait for Aiden O'Connell to make mistakes against our confusing, aggressive defense. And uh, as he does that, we take control of the game, take the lead and kind of control the game from there. Pretty low likelihood that that one turns into a shootout. Uh, Seattle, San Francisco has shootout potential. Uh, we'll skip over Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, Denver, and the Chargers, uh, Denver, again, Anything can happen in an NFL game, but the Chargers have really struggled on offense since losing Josh Palmer. Austin Eckler looking like a shell of himself. Uh, Denver held Kansas City twice and Buffalo and Houston all to 22 or fewer points. So probably not turning into a shootout there. Uh, so that brings us back over to, again, just to highlight, you know, there's just not a lot of games that really have shootout potential. And so then when we have a week like that, uh, and actually I'll say it like this. So, uh, you know, I do my weekly show with Pete Overs that we usually record it. On Fridays, actually, after this show, but uh, he's flying in Miami for the Underdog Dog Bowl live final. Uh, so he's flying today on Friday. We recorded that on Thursday this week. Uh, and one of the things that he brought up, he asked about Keaton Mitchell, and uh, I forget who the other running back was. And one of the things I said to him was, you know, there's nothing on paper that points to Keaton Mitchell this week. But the week to play players like that, guys who can explode for a big game, where there's nothing on paper that's like, oh, they could explode for a big game because of these factors, but it's more like, Hey, you know, he get 13 touches and explode for a big game. Well, the weeks to do that are the weeks where that running back position is pretty thin and maybe not a lot of players will score 18 to 20 points. And maybe nobody will really score like 25 to 30. Obviously you've got uh, Christian McCaffrey could score up there, but you got to pay up for him. And um, so the weeks to do that isn't the week, you know, there's the weeks where, and this is important stuff, right? From just how to win in DFS and how to think through slates. There are the weeks where there's like five, six, seven really good running backs in really good spots. And on those types of weeks, it doesn't make much sense to go way off the board because if your high risk 1% owned guy ends up hitting for a big game, well, what is that big game? It's still probably the same score that all these high owned guys hit, right? As in like, if there's seven guys who are all in really good spots, chances are that two or three of them are going to hit and people are going to have the right two or three player combos on their roster. So going way off the board, taking more risk just to try to get like the same score that you could get with higher certainty and higher ownership, it just doesn't make sense. There's no edge, right? You miss and you're way behind everybody because there were these seven good running backs and, and two, three, four of them ended up hitting and people had the right combos there. Uh, so you either end up, you hit and you're way behind them or you, I mean, you miss and you're way behind them or you hit and you just keep pace with everybody else, but you had to take on a lot more risk to do it. So on weeks where there's plentiful good spots, uh, whether it's game environment or, or players in a particular position, those are the weeks where you don't necessarily want to go way off the board. Now, there you always need to find a path to first place. So there's going to be places where you are looking to go off the board, but kind of using that situation of like two, three, four really great game environments or five, six, seven really great running backs, right? Those are the spots where you want to say, okay, let me pick my pieces from the chalk here and differentiate in a different way. Uh, so taking that Keaton Mitchell example, right? This is a week where there's really not a lot of great running backs. So you could actually say, well, now if Keaton Mitchell hits, he could be the only guy hitting, right? If he goes for 25 points, uh, he could be the only guy hitting. Now, I'm not playing Keaton Mitchell on my you know, single entry three max play, so I'm not highlighting him to talk about that play. I'm highlighting him to use that example of how we kind of think through these options of, of when do we play these more volatile plays? We play these more volatile plays when the reward is substantially higher if they end up hitting. So uh, if this were a week where there's four, five, six games that all have really high shootout potential, 
And then we've got Buffalo, Kansas City, and there's all the reasons why you could you our mind immediately goes towards the reasons why this game won't shoot out. Um, because you know, you're conditioned to look and see Josh Allen, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, and be like, oh, shootout. Um, and so then our minds are like, oh no, we know better. Uh, the Chiefs have this great defense this year, and the Chiefs offense hasn't been performing the way that we expect them to perform. And and so this game won't shoot out, right? And so we kind of move our minds over in that direction. But then you look at the slate and it's like, you know, if this game shoots out, it could be the only one that shoots out. It's not one of these weeks where there's this one shoots out, you're taking a lot of risk to bet on it shooting out. And, you know, you're right. And you took on all this risk to get right, right with this game, but three or four other popular games all shot out as well. Right. And so it doesn't actually end up giving you an edge. This is more than one of those weeks where this game could shoot out and it could be the only game that shoots out. And so kind of carrying that Keaton Mitchell example over, you could look at a game like this and say, if there's a week to take on the risk of, of this failing at these price tags, this is the type of week in which to do it. So uh, kind of some, some just cool components to think about in terms of how you want to think through a slate and how you want to think through what your path is to first place on that particular slate. Every slate is going to give you something unique, something different, and you want to think through what that slate provides and what that means for your path to a first place finish. So what we're going to do is I'm going to throw Josh Allen on here and I'll actually, I'll talk about this in the angles podcast as well, but I'll hit on this here since we're, we're building a Josh Allen roster uh, his last four games against Kansas city. And keep in mind, uh, you know, they've, they've developed their personnel, they've developed their defense, but what makes Kansas city good? What makes Kansas city good is not just their personnel. What makes Kansas city good is how creative Steve Spagnola is and how good he is at confusing quarterbacks and throwing things at them that they're not expecting. And he'll typically save wrinkles for deeper into the game. There's not a lot of defensive coordinators who are excellent at that. He's really good at that. Lou Anarumo is really good at that. Lou Anarumo is kind of struggling this year with this Cincinnati defense, but these guys who can, you know, you finally get comfortable and then the second half starts and they throw something totally different at you that you hadn't seen up to that point. And so uh, they're, they're more like offensive coaches in terms of, how nuanced they can be and how much they can develop their game plan throughout the game and, and really outthink the opposing quarterback. So when we look at a spot like this, one, one of the things we can look at is past performances and see, okay, does Josh Allen struggle against this Kansas City defense? So the Kansas City defense the past few years has been good, not as good as this year. So we can keep that in mind. Uh, but also this Kansas City defense has been tremendous against wide receivers. They've been kind of tough to pass on for the last several years. Uh, we brought this up a lot over the last few years where people see Kansas City games and are like, okay, shoot out, bet on it. But then it's like teams typically perform below expectations in this matchup over the last several years. So what has Josh Allen done against Kansas City? So we'll go back to the playoff game in 2020, uh, regular season game in 2021, playoff game in 2021, and regular season game in 2022. So the last four games against Kansas City. These are Josh Allen's DraftKings scores against Kansas City. 27.28, 39.5, 38.96, and 30.36. So I'll take the decimals off so you can kind of Register register those a little bit more around up or down appropriately. So uh, 27, 40, 39, and 30. I mean, those are tremendous scores. And on a week where people are going to be playing Jake Browning, which I like Jake Browning this week. He's actually one of one of the, I won't say how many quarterbacks are in my pool. I'll say that for subscribers, but one of a small number of quarterbacks in my pool this week. But like when people are kind of looking to those types of plays or, or Russell Wilson in this game, it's probably not going to shoot out. Great matchup, but the Broncos run the ball at, at the seventh, highest rate in the NFL in terms of pass rate over expectation or rush rate over expectations. You could flip that around and say uh, they are the seventh highest rush rush rate over expectation team in the NFL. Well, 
it's not like they're just suddenly going to throw the ball a bunch and Russell Wilson's going to go out and have now he can put up a 30 point game in this matchup, but it's not like the game environment is conducive to him suddenly having this big game, right? It's, it's going to, he's going to have probably his normal amount of volume, his normal type of setup. And maybe he ends up with like an extra big play or an extra touchdown or a long run or something that pops for a big game. But you can very easily see all these popular quarterbacks this week scoring 20, 22, 24, 25 points. Even Justin Fields can have a really good game where he's only had like what he had the two games before he got hurt where he topped 30 points. Sort of randomly, they were with his arm both of those games. Uh, he had the two 40 plus point games last year. And other than that, all of his games have been kind of like 24, 25 and below points. So Justin Fields can have a really good game at 6,800, but it's still only 22, 23, 24 points. And Josh Allen could come out and put up 39 points against Kansas City. So my point is like, He's capable of separating at a level that's large enough that it justifies the risk that you're taking on in this type of matchup. So uh, very interesting angle to consider this week. Now, another interesting thing to consider, Kansas City's really good at taking away wide receivers on the perimeter. So who do you pair Josh Allen with? Uh, we broke this down in the game against Philadelphia when we were you know, so heavy on Josh Allen that week. Uh, the perception of Josh Allen is it's like you play Josh Allen, then you throw Stefan Diggs in there. Cause obviously if Josh Allen is hitting Diggs is going to hit well, heading into that game, uh, going back over the previous three seasons, uh, or maybe it was the previous two and a half seasons, uh, the, the previous 17 times that Josh Allen had hit Stefan Diggs had only hit in six of those. Uh, then again, Josh Allen hit against Philadelphia in that game. The last time we saw the bills on the field uh, and Stefan Diggs did not hit in that one. So that now puts it at, only 33% of the time that Josh Allen has hit since this, we, you know, kind of picked an arbitrary starting point, but since 2021 to now, uh, only 33% of the times when Josh Allen has hit has Stefan Diggs also hit. So there are a lot of other ways that Josh Allen can hit. And what they tend to be is the guys over the middle of the field. So what's tough right now is we don't really have a clear guy over the middle of the field for Josh Allen in this current iteration of the offense. So uh, there's, you know, go through the, the Josh Allen game logs where he's hit and you see a lot of like Cole Beasley hitting, Isaiah McKenzie hitting, uh, Emmanuel Sanders hitting multiple times, and then a lot of Dawson Knox hitting, uh, where Dawson Knox is maybe only getting, you know, four catches for 60 yards, but it's four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown and that is price tag that ends up being a really excellent game where he ends up putting up 22 DraftKings points, uh, which at his price tag is, is tremendous at this point. But now it's like Dawson Knox is expected to come back this week. So we can't say, okay, throw Dalton Kincaid and there's the guy over the middle of the field. Uh, and then again, we kind of started on this pathway and didn't finish it. Uh, Chiefs, structurally, they take away the perimeter, but where they can get hit is sort of over the middle of the field. So uh, Nick Bolton, I believe, is coming back this week for Kansas City. So that shores up their linebacking core a little bit over the middle, but that's still where you're going to attack the Kansas City defense through the air. So uh, what we've seen in these games where Josh Allen has hit is a lot of like Dawson Knox hitting, or I think it was Cole Beasley hit one time in 2021. And then um, last year it was like, kind of Dawson Knox, but nobody hitting big. And then there was obviously the playoff game where Gabe Davis had 200 receiving yards and was it four touchdowns that he had in that game. Uh, and then interestingly, like Stefan Diggs, it was like bomb, bomb, bomb. And then, then, then last year, 10 catches for 148 yards and a touchdown. So uh, Diggs is capable, right? Again, 25% of these games, these last four games where Josh Allen's hit against uh, Kansas City, Josh, uh, uh, Stefan Diggs is hit. So 25%, um, kind of in line with that 33% that we've seen in a macro sense. So uh, where does Josh Allen hit? Uh, it's going to be an interesting way to kind of explore this. Khalil Shakir hasn't really stepped into the Isaiah McKenzie, Cole Beasley role where he can rack up 10 to 13 targets in a game like this where uh, Josh Allen's having to throw a bunch, knows he needs to score a lot of points, but he's kind of having to dump the ball off over the middle of the field, kind of 
the things down, you know, Josh Allen works from deep to short, uh, things downfield aren't open. So then he like looks for what's that intermediate and short area. Uh, so there's not really a clear stacking partner with Josh Allen on this particular week. Uh, what we will go ahead and do on this roster. And what I'll probably do is um, a lot of my Josh Allen rosters this week, I will probably have them single stacked as opposed to double stacked because I'm what I'm really wanting to bet on is Josh Allen sort of having to take over the game, run a lot, maybe score a rushing touchdown. Uh, less likely that we get multiple guys hitting. I will have some double stacks, but sort of underweight on the double stacks and a lot of these single stacks this week. So uh, what we will go ahead and do, again, we know that Gabe Davis can hit in this type of spot. We know that Stephon Diggs can hit in this type of spot. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and throw in Dalton Kincaid, who's going to go wildly overlooked this week with uh, kind of attention on Isaiah Likely and Tyler Conklin and some of these cheaper guys, David Njoku. So not speaking out against those guys, I have to check the uh, the player grid to kind of see where those guys fit into my thoughts or listen to the Angles podcast for whatever I drop in there. But uh, when we're talking about, you know, everybody kind of looking down there and then Dawson Knox coming back and people not being on Josh Allen's projected ownership is sub 3% as of right now. So uh, not going to see a lot of Dalton Kincaid. So now we have one of these spots where Josh Allen, it's, it's not like we're betting on this higher risk guy and hoping he gets 26 points. We're talking about a higher risk guy that can just massively separate from what all the other quarterbacks are doing. And he's low owned. So now if he puts up that type of game, you are so far ahead of the field. And we always want to be thinking about this in terms of how are we putting together our roster? And then what does it mean if these guys hit? Because once we put a guy in our roster, we are effectively voting on that particular roster. Now you can play a hundred rosters and only put Josh Allen on one. So on the other 99 rosters, you're betting that Josh Allen does not have a mega game. But on the one roster where you play Josh Allen, your bet is Josh Allen has a mega game. So if Josh Allen actually has a mega game, we're so far ahead of the field because all the other quarterbacks might score 25 or fewer points on this particular week, right? Brock Purdy's going to get a ton of attention this week, but you know, actually let's go ahead and pull up Brock Purdy's game logs. Brock Purdy, I mean, he was my highest owned quarterback last week against Philadelphia, had him on over 40% of my rosters, uh, but we've got this 32 pointer. We got this 29 pointer against Tampa Bay, two teams that sort of forced the ball to the air. What else, right? 24 points, 26 points, 23 points. These are his best games, right? And these are all better than his best games last year. So just to say like, you know, this 32 pointer that he's coming off of this 29 pointer, like people are just going to jump onto Brock Purdy because there's not a lot to love on the slate. And, and I love Brock Purdy. He's probably getting 17 to 24 points in this spot. Once again, outside chance that he goes above that level, but just to kind of illustrate, like this is a week where the quarterbacks that everybody's flocking to really could max out at about 25 points. And so if Josh Allen hits for this type of mega game, you are just so far ahead of the field because he's going to be so low owned. Uh, and then you throw in Dalton Kincaid on this and you recognize that if this pair ends up being right, if this is how Josh Allen has his big game, if Dalton Kincaid ends up going out there and putting up 25 points, right? Well, you are now just like dramatically ahead of the field and you really don't have to worry about ownership too much on the rest of your roster because it's not going to be a super high scoring weekend. So basically, if you get this bet right, you're so far ahead of the field that really you just, I mean, you you don't need to necessarily just say, okay, I'm going to play what everybody else is playing. But if what you like are popular players, so let's illustrate this, I'll probably be 100% Zach Moss this week. Uh, we won't dive into that, but great play on paper, great play um, by logic, great play by feel, uh, just a good play this week. I don't have to worry about what his ownership is going to be because if he ends up putting up 20 points, I'm just riding with the ownership on that. And then I'm jumping past all those other Zach Moss rosters with my Josh Allen bet. Uh, similar at this RB2 spot. Now, one interesting thing, this morning news came out that Isaiah Pacheco is not going to play this week. So uh, you could play this Kansas City running back spot one of two ways. You could play Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or you could play Jarek McKinnon. Uh, you could play Jarek McKinnon essentially saying that 
Kansas City has changed their offense based on their personnel. So they have become more run-centric because Isaiah Pacheco adds this like dominant physical downhill rushing component to their offense. Well, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doesn't just step in and provide that. So uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had, had a bunch of like 14 to 15 DraftKings point games early last year. I think he had like a 22-pointer early last year. So he's capable at only 4,200 of putting up a really nice game. But I can also see this being a game where Kansas City is like, okay, well, now we have to shift and throw the ball more. And our run game becomes more like this short area passing type of game. Now, this is where this gets really interesting because if this becomes this short area passing type of game, uh, let's go ahead and look at Travis Kelsey's, uh, where do I have that? I have that in my notes for the player grid. Okay, so Travis Kelsey's last five games against Buffalo. I'll take off the decimal points and just round up or down. Uh, but 24, 40, 18, 24 and 22. So if Kelsey, again, typically is going to be this 20 point range. Uh, and this has been, you know, last year he topped 16.4 points, 10 times the year before that he topped 16.4 points, nine times this year. He's only topped it four times so far. So like Travis Kelsey's typical score is down because this Kansas City offense is down. So just because Kelsey's done this, you know, 20 plus points in four straight, or I guess one of them was 18 and then the other games, you know, 22 plus points, uh, four to five against Buffalo with a 40 pointer thrown in there. It doesn't mean that he's necessarily just going to do that again in this spot, but we can be thinking about that in terms of how we put this roster together and say, man, what if Kansas City says, all right, let's just throw the ball short areas of the field a little, a little bit more. Let's not worry about the run as much. And then we're also saying we're betting on this roster that Josh Allen has this monster game. So we're saying that the Bills are going out there and putting up, you know, 31 points, something like that, where Josh Allen's picking up yards. He's being part of a three to four touchdown game, you know, on his arm and, and through his legs. And so that compels the Chiefs to be a little bit more aggressive through the air. So we can do something really interesting here that is a Jarek McKinnon and Travis Kelsey stack. And now you look at this roster and it's like literally nobody else is building this roster. Like we could play, we could just go through the list of who were the most popular plays and we could play Drake London and Elijah Moore and most popular defense, right? And just like fill out our salary with most popular plays if we wanted to do things that way. So uh, we can also obviously kind of think about who we like the most. Uh, I don't love Drake London this week. I'll get into the reason why. Still pretty solid play, but um, not as good as everybody thinks he is. Uh, and if I get into the reasons why, I mean, I'll talk about it on the Angles podcast. I'll talk about it in the player grid, but uh, actually I won't talk about it in the player grid because I won't have Drake London in there, but some interesting angles to talk about in the angles podcast with Drake London. Um, Vikings defense. We'll go ahead and throw in the, the Vikings defense. Just see what sort of salary we have to work with Vikings against Aiden O'Connell. We talked about how much this defense can confuse opponents. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and then also say, I want to get a 49ers piece in here, a 49ers pass catcher in here. So there was their game against Cleveland earlier this year. Uh, and there was their, let's see if I actually have these notes uh, pulled up. I think I do. Okay. Uh, there was their game against Cleveland. And then there was that offensive dud against Minnesota. Outside of those two games, here is the, this is in my DFS interpretations for the San Francisco, San Francisco game. It'll be in the player grid as well. Uh, but here are the, the best score from IFD Bo Kittle each game this season. Okay. So basically just say like a best ball roster, right? Like who was the best score from these three guys? And I'm going to list that score. Uh, 36, 22, 28, 24, 28, 27, 24, 30, 22, and 39. I mean, it's just incredible, right? Like, especially when you look at this slate and you're like, man, there probably won't be that many 
25 to 30 point scores. And it's like, you take out the game against Cleveland and this, this dud against Minnesota, all 10 games, one of these San Francisco pass catchers has topped 22 points. And over half of the games, it's been like 27 plus points. So um, recognizing like how valuable that can be on this particular week, kind of getting the right guy from that group. We can't fit Kittle onto this roster because we have Kincaid and Kelsey onto this roster. So that limits our options, but I will be mixing and matching a lot of these guys on this particular week. Uh, Debo Samuel, not point chasing to go with Debo. Uh, he obviously uh, put up 38 points last week and put up the 22.4 against Seattle. But what we should note here is these nine targets against Seattle, just the way that Seattle plays defense, it does lend itself more to a Debo Samuel type of game uh, where you would see those targets spike for him. So it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I've been very bad at predicting which San Francisco pass catcher is going to hit the season, but we can kind of eliminate the need to predict that when we do this mix and match type strategy. So, uh, Debo Samuel, basically the way to look at it is, is the tournament winning roster this week going to have one of these 49ers pass catchers? Like there's a pretty good chance that whichever 49ers pass catcher hits this week is going to be on tournament winning rosters because if they hit for 27, 32, whatever it might be, there's probably not that many 27 to 32 point scores this week. And so you, even though you have to guess and you might get the wrong guy, like, you want to put yourself in position so that you're the roster other people are chasing as opposed to saying, well, let me just not try to guess. And now I have to chase whichever rosters got the right 49ers piece. So uh, that's how I will be approaching a lot of my rosters this week. Uh, we're going to throw on Jackson Smith and Jigba onto this roster as a bring back. That leaves us with 3,700 in remaining salary. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and just because we don't need to get deep into this. It's not a real roster. We're going to go Cedric Tillman. I do like Cedric Tillman this week. I say uh, we don't need to get deep into it. We're not building a real roster. I say that because there's no need to go. I mean, Cedric Tillman and our ownership projections on OWS is currently not even projected, which means that he's expected to see sub 1%. He's a tremendous leverage playoff Elijah Moore, who's going to be extremely popular this week. And so you could say, man, if Cedric Tillman hits, he's not only hitting at really low ownership, but he's taking points away from Elijah Moore. So what I kind of mean is you don't actually need a Cedric Tillman on a roster like this because nobody else has this bet that you're placing of Josh Allen and Dalton, basically nobody else has this bet that you're placing of Bills and Chiefs shootout. It it starts with Josh Allen, and he's the driving force in this game. Uh, and I'm going to have no Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm going to have uh, Jarek McKinnon instead. I'm going to have Travis Kelsey uh, and Dalton Kincaid together. Nobody else is rostering Dalton Kincaid. Nobody else is rostering Josh Allen. So like, like I said at the top, you don't have to worry about ownership from this point forward. And so because of that, like a guy like Cedric Tillman, there's no need to necessarily take on that additional risk uh, and, and get different in that way. Uh, he's more guy to kind of throw into other roster. Not to say that you can't build things this way, but uh, just to say that there's probably some other pieces we might move around. If we had a little bit more time, we're saying, hey, let's put this roster in for real. Maybe we'd go down to Clyde Edwards Hilaire and then see what that did for our salary. Uh, get up to one of these guys at, at 4,500 who uh, would actually be Elijah Moore. Actually, let's go ahead and do that just to kind of show what that would look like. So um, we go to Clyde Edwards Hilaire and then we just ride the chalk. Uh, oh, I had the salary a little bit wrong on that. Um, okay, then yeah, we'll leave we'll leave what we had. But um, kind of thinking through that to say, I don't need to I, like I don't need to predict things at this point. What I need to do is think about what gets me to a first place finish. And so uh, if we how we're building this for real, I might push around salary a little bit more, see what I could do at defense, see if there's a way to build this roster um, in the way that I'm just sort of riding the chalk. But uh, since we are no need to actually do that, it's not a real roster. Uh, I'll go ahead and go back to the way that we had things before. Actually, you know what we could do here? 
go to the Browns defense, who's going to be really popular, uh, and kind of ride the chalk there, and then go to Odell Beckham, who's kind of a similar play to Cedric Tillman, but probably uh, riding a little bit more ownership on this play. So uh, we'll call that our official roster right here. Kind of gives you some thoughts on how you might want to think through this slate, what it might take to get to first place on the slate, some of the interesting edges that we might have on this particular slate. Uh, and again, I encourage you to tune into the Angles podcast. I have not recorded it yet. I have all my notes laid out for it. I have not recorded it yet, uh, but it is available to you by the time you're watching this. So uh, check that out on the OWS podcast feed on your favorite podcast player. Just search one week season or check it out on the OWS YouTube channel, which might be where you are watching this. Uh, with that, I'm going to wrap things up. I will be back here for the DFS Lab, I believe, with Keegan next Thursday. We'll be breaking down the opening up the Week 15 slate, building a roster, um, taking these questions, gathering some information on that slate. Uh, I will also hopefully see you on one week season throughout the weekend. We do tons of discounts through the end of the season. So I believe it's 60% off for the last five weeks plus the playoffs at this point. So um, really good deals if you want to hop in. Uh, get a taste of what OWS is all about, or just keep consuming the free content. There's a lot of free stuff on the site too. If you're not a free member, uh, go sign up for that. So with that, I will see you on the site throughout the weekend. I will see you on the Angles podcast, and I will see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday. Mm -hmm.